Let's go ahead and jump into the Word this morning. We're talking about the Word. The series is called The Word. If you hadn't noticed, we're talking about the Word. And I've enjoyed sharing these things with you. Over the last several weeks, we've kind of allowed the Word to kind of speak about the Word. We've kind of allowed the Word to kind of show us some things. We've talked about the Word basically the first week kind of being a lamp that kind of lights our path uh, kind of a, gives us direction and shows us the way to go. Last week we talked about the, the word as a mirror and how it kind of reveals things in us and shows us things that we need to look at and, and things of that nature. Well today what we're going to be looking at the word is a seed. We're going to be looking at it as a seed. But before we get into that we're going to be obviously talking about a portion of scripture that many of us have heard before. But before we get into that we need to remember and talk about it. We're going to do it next week as well as we kind of bring this series to a close next week but we've really been focusing in on this and 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 the reason why is is this it's it's very easy in our world today to look at God's word and to see it as as kind of a a great book or a book of of great lessons or a great book of uh, of great moral truths but it is completely different to stop and and take that extra step which says no no this is this is a perfect this is, this is God's word to us to help us to learn to live and to grow. That, that we can look at it and trust it. That it can be our anchor in our storm that we sometimes face. A lot of us, whether it's uh, we sing about it really today, we, we have these storms that come into our lives. And, and God's word is meant to help us as a kind of an anchor to hold us during the midst of those things. And next week we're going to kind of finish this series out and, and really talk about well, I don't want to get into it for next week, but, but I'm excited to have everybody here for next week as well because I really think it's going to put a real bow on the entire series. But again, we've talked about it. We're going to do it this week. We'll do it next week. It's in your notes. We really want you to see this and understand how we, as a, me as an individual, as your pastor feels, as, as a church, as a denomination or a fellowship, how the Assemblies of God feel about God's word because we really want us to be able to have this as we move through our lives. And so here it is again it's in your notes it'll be on the screen the bible is god's word to us it was recorded by human authors under the supernatural direction of the holy spirit it is the supreme source of truth and our rule of faith and conduct because it is inspired by god it is truth without any mixture of error so we can hold on to this Okay, we can we can know that the words in these things are true. You know, when we talked about even this morning, how how God is with us and God never leaves us. And no matter where you were at this week, God walked with you and was with you. How do we know that we know it because God's word tells us so. We know it because God's word shares that with us. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And there's so many times where life can kind of come at us so hard. And we can forget, but when we go back and we realize, no, this is truth. This is what God has said to us and that God is not a man that he can lie. We can look at it and really let it be that anchor to us in our storm. But again, this morning we're going to talk about this idea of the word being a seed. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Luke 8. We're going to be in a story that, again, many of you have heard, but we're going to look a little bit deeper in it as we see kind of what God has for us this morning. So Luke 8, we're going to look at verses 4 through 9. We're going to skip verse 10 and then jump into 11 through 15. So let's read it together. Let's look at it together, starting with verse number 4. It says, while a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, 
he told this parable. Now, I know I've said this before. I love that Jesus speaks in parables. If you don't know what a parable is, it's basically a story that has a deeper understanding or a deeper meaning, a spiritual meaning. And so Jesus taught a lot like this and shared these stories. And so once again, he's now telling a story to the crowd that is there. He says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because there was no moisture. Other seeds fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. When he said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now verse 9, his disciples asked him what this parable meant. Now, here's what's interesting about this. A lot of times, Jesus does not explain his parables. Sometimes he will do it later or in other settings, but sometimes he just doesn't say anything. He kind of just lets it be. This is one of those parables that Jesus takes some time to really explain. So in that concept, there's not this, you know, what's it mean? Do we we really understand? Jesus tells us exactly what it means. And he starts to tell us in verse number 11. So then let's continue. He says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Okay? The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Here's the deal this morning as we look at this idea of God's word being a seed God's word is a seed, and because it is a seed, it can help us to grow. It is an unbelievable thing in our lives. And as we understand the perfection of God's word, God's word is perfect, so you can trust it to help you grow. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much this morning for for who you are and what you desire to do. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just open our hearts to what you desire to share with us this morning. That, Father, that we would, that we would be the right kind of soil. <laughs> Even though we're talking about soil and we're going to get a little bit deeper into the soil types and all these things, that, God, that you would just right now help us to have the soil that you want us to have in our hearts so that we could receive the seed that your word brings forth in our hearts and our lives. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Now this morning as we kind of look at these things and this idea of growth, we're going to be really talking about kind of two ideas here that are going to be interchanged depending on kind of the situation and the circumstance. So when I use the word grow, I'm going to use kind of two ideas here. One being the growth of fruit in our lives, that, that God has called us to produce fruit. God has called us to produce much fruit. So kind of that's one idea that I believe the word will help us to grow in. Another is not just the fruit in our lives, but the maturing that God wants to do in our hearts and our lives. Lives. The, the, the fact that as we get the seed of God's word in our hearts, that that should help us grow up a little bit. That should help us mature in God a little bit. That should mean that in some ways there's less of us and more of Jesus. So when we understand this idea of growth and the idea that God wants to do this growth in us, there's kind of two ideas here that I think are very, very interchangeable and also very work very, very much hand in hand in our lives. So I kind of wanted to clear that up so that you understand. But here's the word. As, as God has has, as Jesus has shared this story with us, he's been very, very clear. He said, the seed is the word of God. In this story, what we see is a farmer that's going out and he's just beginning to scatter the seed. At the time, that's kind of what they would do is they would kind of have a bag and they would kind of just kind of scatter the seed and the seed would go forth and kind of go out and that seed would fall in all sorts of different places. And, and Jesus here, is, first of all, tells us that's kind of what's happening. He's kind of giving this picture to these people who very much, very many, many times probably had seen people scatter this seed out and kind of letting it go. But, but we have to understand something first is, is what this story is really about is not necessarily the seed, but we need to start with the seed to understand the story. And when we understand the seed and what God is trying to show us through the seed, it can also then help us as we move further into the story to understand some things. Because here's what I found. A lot of times, especially in our world today, we tend to probably focus in on the wrong thing. Now, for us, maybe we're not sitting there going in our head. We're actually thinking, okay, this is what's happening. But it begins to happen one way or another. And that is this. Instead of focusing on what Jesus really wants us to focus in on, which we will in a moment, we tend instead to focus in on the seed. The seed is God's word. Now, as we've talked about the last couple of weeks, as we talked about this morning, the seed is perfect. The seed is not the problem. But we tend, especially in our world today, to focus in on the seed. The seed is not relevant. The seed is not necessarily all the way true. The seed is not literal or this or that. And we begin to focus a lot of time and effort on the seed. When in a lot of ways, Jesus doesn't focus on the seed. He explains what the seed is, but instead he focuses in on the heart, the soil of the heart. But we have to first understand, because sometimes what we do is we never get to the heart because instead we focus in on the seed. We say, well, if the seed was better, if the seed was more relevant, if the seed was more true, or whatever it might be, then the seed would actually do what it's, what it's made to do, what it should accomplish. The problem is that is a lie from the enemy to keep us from allowing God to do in our hearts what he wants to do. The seed is not the issue. Look here, Isaiah 55, starting with verse 10 and 11. This is what it says. It says, once again, God's kind of giving this idea of, of agriculture and, and things like that. It says, the rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. This is what he says. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. 
It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Again, I've had you do this before. If you underline stuff or highlight stuff, do me a favor. Highlight the words always and prosper. God's word, it, listen, other translations, you've heard this verse before. It says, my word will not come back void to me. It's the same concept. It's this idea that God is saying, listen, when my word goes forth, it will always produce fruit. It will always prosper. It will always accomplish what I want it to. God's word, the seed is not the problem. Please hear me on this, because I promise you, the way things are going, you're going to hear more and more and more of people, both out of the pulpit and in it, saying the problem is the seed, and it's not. The seed is perfect. The seed is not the issue. The seed is our hearts. The seed is not the problem. The, the problem, in a lot of times, and myself included, is the soil. So look at your notes. If there is no growth or fruit being produced in our lives, we need to go back and check the soil, not the seed. Now, what I mean by that is not necessarily don't go back and check the seed, as in go back to your word and study your word and see your word, but instead of finding fault where it doesn't belong, we need to understand what this story is really telling us and instead check the soil of our hearts. Because the seed is good. The seed is true. The seed is perfect. It's our hearts sometimes that become the problem. Scripture even says that. It says our hearts are desperately wicked at times. And we need some help in this. So this morning, as we look at this story that I know many of us have heard before... It, it, it's a situation where I really believe God wants us to not necessarily focus in on things that are not the issue, but sometimes focus on the things that are. Because I believe, here's the deal, I believe when it comes to these things, your heart is in one of these four places at all times. Okay? Jesus could have said, he could have gone on and on and on, but he gives us basically four heart conditions, four soil conditions that he wants us to focus in on. And here's the deal. I believe this is so important to his disciples then and his disciples now that Jesus took the time to explain it. He wanted to make sure there were no confusions. No, I wonder if this is what it means. No, Jesus was very, very clear in this story. So we're going to look at that. We're going to look together at the four types of soil that can be in our hearts. Number one, the first type of soil that Jesus looks at, and first where the seed really gets scattered is the path. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at both the story that Jesus tells, basically the first time uh, in, verse, in, in Luke 8, and then we're going to go and see the explanation that he gives. So first, let's look at the path. Luke 8, 5. And then we'll jump to verse 12. It says, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. So let's stop here, and then we'll go to the explanation. So again, what we're seeing here is this idea of being scattered. But this is not even necessarily being scattered in an area that is basically typical for farming to take place. What this was basically happening, this was dirt, but it was a path that had been trampled down for a long time. It was basically the path which the farmer would walk 
as he scattered seed. And as he would do this, obviously, if you've ever scattered seed, I don't know if everybody has, but seeds are small. As you would pick them up, some would, would fall from his hand or, and things would hit the path as he would go. And also, he would, so he would throw it. Some of it would hit this path. So this is kind of difficult and hard. And so it really would never penetrate into the soil because in some ways, the heart was not prepared or the soil was not prepared for the seed to enter it. So he sits there and this kind of hits the ground, hits the top, and so it's sitting there on top of the ground. And as it is sitting there, people continue to walk on it, but also one thing else takes place, the birds come and eat the seed. So even if maybe, okay, listen, it's hard ground, but hey, maybe it could rain. You know, some rain hits and maybe it'll open up the soil and the, the seed will get down into it and something will happen. It doesn't even allow it to take place because the birds come and eat it. Now let's look at verse number 12 as Jesus explains what this means. He says, those along the path are the ones who hear. So the seed goes forth and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. It's interesting here that Jesus specifically says, listen, I'm going to tell you who the bird is. And he says it's the enemy. He literally says it's the enemy. Listen, you know, I don't know about you. I, I, I've, I've done this a lot as far as speaking and things like that. And every time I always pray, God, open our hearts. God, help us to see. God, God, God use your Holy Spirit. I pray that God is active in, in the worship. I pray that God is active in the sharing of the word. Man, I, I pray that God is active in the fellowship time. But do you know something else? You know what the scripture tells us? The enemy is active too. As I am sharing God's word with you, the enemy is not sitting back waiting for this to be over so he can bother you. He is literally active now. Let me tell you how the enemy is active. Let me tell you how he wants to steal some seeds from you. He'll come to you and he'll say, you know, I wonder what's for lunch. He'll distract you in that way. And, and maybe not something bad. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about lunch too. You know what I mean? But he'll come and he'll begin to, to take things. He'll say something like this. He'll say, you know... I know this is God's word, but you know, you've heard this story so many times before. There will be nothing for you today. Life in the pit of hell. I'm going to be honest with you. I have had times where I have missed what God has for me because I'm going to use this wording for myself. I'm not using it for you. I'm using it for myself because I was too proud to believe that I could get something from that individual on that topic. And I missed it. Flat out missed it. I have learned, and I don't always do this well, but I have learned that I can learn something from God's word because it's not God's word that's the issue. It's my heart that is. And if I miss something that God has for me, it's not God's fault. It's mine. And man, the enemy is working and wants to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he does. We, we, like, we focus a lot on the kill and the destroy. But no, he likes to steal as well. And one of the ways he steals is he comes and he begins to grab that seed. He begins to come and say, you know, this isn't for you. You know what, this is below you. You know what, let's focus on what's going to happen afterwards. And we begin to have those things, those truths, and those areas of growth and that God wants to do in our hearts stolen from us. And we miss it. 
But here's the deal. James tells us how to handle these situations. James 4, 7. It says, submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil. We've talked about this before, but again, just so we see this, it's on, I turn the page on your notes. The words uh, resist is actually, comes, uh, is, in, is in this verse, comes from two Greek words that mean stand and against. So how do we resist the devil? We stand against him. Sometimes we have to do that mentally, other times it's other areas, but basically we have to have this situation when the enemy comes and says, you know what, what's for lunch? We stand, we don't go, oh, 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 maybe, uh." no, we stand against him. We say, you know what, enemy, lunch will come right now. This is God's time, not your time, not my time, not lunch time. When the enemy comes and says, you're above this, you're never going to learn it. You've already already got this all figured out. No, enemy, I'm not going to allow that to happen. I'm going to look and I'm going to allow God to speak to my heart because I know there are areas that I need to grow in. And I'm not going to let pride or anything else prevent me from experiencing something today through God's word. We stand against. If you want a perfect example of what that looks like, go back when Jesus was tempted by the enemy. That is the perfect textbook definition of stand against. The enemy came and Jesus said, no, I'll tell you why, no. And he stood against him. And you know what? The enemy fleed. And the enemy will flee from you. And here's the thing I want you to understand about this verse. Nowhere does James, as he's expressing these things, saying only super duper spiritual Christians can stand against the enemy and he'll flee from you. He gives us one simple requirement that we need to help us stand against the enemy. Did you catch what it was? It just says it right before it says to resist the devil. It says submit yourself therefore before God. What does that mean? It means God, right now, what I desire, what I want, I don't want, (laughs) maybe I do want to focus in on lunch. But right now, I'm going to submit to you and submit of what you want me to do. Submission is not necessarily something that's easy to do, but it's vital as we stand against the enemy. And it's so important that you get that and understand that. That every time God's word is preached, every time that God's word is shared, every time God's word is lived out in front of you, the enemy is there as a bird desperately to trying to snatch those seeds before they can get down into the ground. And there's so many people that forget that and miss that. The enemy is there to kill, steal, and destroy. Number two. Number two, the rocky soil. Let's look again. Luke 8, 6, and then Luke 8, 13. It says, some fell on rocky ground where it came up, and the plant withered because they had no moisture. Now, let's, again, let's take a moment. Let's look at this. So there is some growth here, okay? The, 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 it falls in some rocks, areas, and things like that. So we do see some growth here, okay? So a little bit of growth. But now let's look at 13 and see the explanation. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root, They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. You know what this really kind of reminds me of? And I I know that at times, you know, I'm going to talk a lot about myself this morning because that's the person I know the best. And because quite honestly, a lot of times I'm all four of these types of, of soil. 
But, but this kind of reminds me of my own life when I hear something that's shared. And, and I like how Jesus says it. It's like, this is someone who receives it with joy. Like there's an excitement there. And like somebody will say something or, or, or preach something or I'll hear something. And I'll be like, yeah, man, that's great. And I'll kind of get excited about it. I'm like, yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. I'm going to let God use me in that way and all these sort of things. But then I, there's no roots. And because there's no roots... Because there's nothing that begins to deep, go down deep into the ground, it goes away. It, it basically quickly moves away from that. And, and, and I, in kind of a weird way, we have to get this. Where there's no root, there's no fruit. There's got to be something that goes deeper down. Yes, listen, I, I, I hope and pray that when you hear God's word shared, no matter who it is, that you receive it with joy. That it that encourages you and helps you and challenges you. That God's spirit comes and brings conviction where it's necessary and all these things. But listen, if, if it only takes place when you're here and by the time you get from here to your car, it's gone. There's no root system. Listen, hear me. The root system that God wants to grow in your life and your heart doesn't take place in these four walls. It doesn't. Now, can it maybe help? Yeah, sure, of course, of course, of course, of course. But if you want deep roots, that's a daily thing. That's getting into God's word every day. Remember, Jesus said, if you want to produce fruit, he says, you have to abide in me. The idea of abiding is not once a week. That's not abiding. That's visiting. That's something different. Okay? I want you to... And listen, here's the thing. There's a little bit of growth there. That's, that's, there's a little bit of something there. But I promise you, I, 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 don't, I don't know much about gardening. I don't know much about these sort of things. I know that for some of you, you've already kind of started your gardening stuff. I know for some of you, pretty soon, you're going to start planting some things in the ground. I don't know much, but I do know this. If there's not a lot of good root system, if there's not room for those roots to grow down deep and get all the nutrients of the soil and all those things, I'm telling you right now, it's not going to produce a lot of fruit. There may be some growth but not the fruit that God wants to produce. Not what he really wants to do in our hearts and our lives. We need to let those roots grow deep. We need to let those groups, those roots really go down. And that takes place every single day through prayer, through devotion time, through spending time in God's word. You go, Aaron, I missed a day. Okay, get her the next day. Get her the next day. And let those roots really begin to grow deep. Number three, we see the, th the thorny soil. The thorny soil. Look here, Luke 8, 7 and 14. It says, other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plant. So in this, guess what? I mean, here's the interesting. In both of these, uh, two out of the three that, are, that we obviously look at as kind of negative, we're seeing some growth. Okay. We're seeing the, the plants are growing here. So this is good, but we're not seeing all that God wants, that God has desired. And we'll see what God desires in just a minute. But so we do see some growth here, but they're growing up among some thorns. So look, 14 now. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. And look here, if you don't have this underlined in your Bible, underline this. 
and they do not mature. Okay? Now, I, I'm, not gonna be, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be harsh here. I'm just trying to be honest, because I, and I know I, can, I get in this place too a lot, okay? But I believe that this right here is really the majority of Christians in the American church right now. There's some growth, and that's great. But, but there's also a lot of thorns. And those thorns are literally choking the life and the fruit out of us. And Jesus specifically mentions here some interesting things. Like, like he's going, hey, <laughs> these are big. He talks about life's worries, life's riches, and life's pleasures. Those are like the th- some of these like three major things that will choke the spiritual life out of a believer. Okay, you need to hear this. Okay, the first he mentions is life's worries. I I don't know about you, but but probably for me, this is my big one. This is my this is my big boo. You know, this is my the one that Satan comes and I just worry and fret. I get so, you know, whether, you know, here's the thing. Sometimes I worry about quote-unquote good things, you know. But I, I allow the worry to literally, literally, spiritually choke the life from me. My wife will tell you there are seasons I've had in my life, and I'm not proud of this, and sometimes they have gone on for months, where I've been a, basically a spiritual corpse walking around trying to do ministry, dead inside because I've allowed the worries of life to just consume me and to keep me from growing. It's hard. But Jesus is specific in that as well. He says, he just, I mean, again, I love it when it's simple. And Jesus so many times is simple. He literally says in Matthew, do not worry. You know, it's like for me, I don't know about you, but for me, it's like Jesus saying, and go breathe underwater for 30 minutes. I mean, it's like that. It's hard for me. It may be hard for you, but here's what I know. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And even though there's times where I worry, even there's times where I allow those things to come and to begin to choke the life out of me, God has called me, God has called you to do some weed eating in our hearts. And sometimes we need to get down on our hands and our knees. And listen, I don't like weeding. I hate weeding. I hate it in real life. I hate it in my spiritual life. It's not fun to get down because you can't just yank out the top of a weed. It'll grow back. Sometimes it'll grow back bigger. You got to get down on your hands and your knees. And sometimes you got to get down in that dirt and get that thing out. And you got to get it from the root. It's interesting that in the understanding of growth and our roots growing down, the desire for pleasure, the desire for riches, the desire, uh, the, the fact that we worry, boy, those things get roots too. And a lot of times we think, oh, I've just weeded. Look, doesn't my soil look nice and pretty? When all we've done is just remove something visible and the root system is still there and still growing. God has called us to not just pull the top off, but to get the root out. Next, Jesus doesn't just talk about the idea of, of worrying, but then he talks about the idea of riches, the desire for the riches that come from life. 
I mean, it's real simple. We, we tend to, to like those things quite a bit. We tend to put our focus on those things. And I promise you, those things won't fulfill. And, they, and here's the thing. We talk about that a lot. They won't fulfill, but they'll do something even more. They will kill you spiritually if you let that become your focus. Why do I say that? Because a lot of times when you understand what riches really are and the, and the accumulation of stuff, when you pull it all away, it's not about the car in the driveway. It's about the car in the driveway fulfilling something in your heart that was only meant to be fulfilled by God. That's why it's so dangerous. It's by looking at things and going, look, my security is not in Christ. My hope is not in him. My hope is what's in my bank account, in my 401k. It's why it's so dangerous. It's, it's so many times, listen, don't let the enemy be a bird and steal the seed. So many times when someone up here in this place talks about money, people start going, I'm off. I'm turning it off. I don't want to hear about it. Jesus talked a lot about money. And he talked about it because he understood that when that becomes our focus, it literally will kill our spiritual life and spiritual growth. He loved us enough to say, you know what? You need to understand these things. And we all at times will focus in on those things. But just like with the worry, we got to get down sometimes and do a little weed eating. The last thing he says is basically this idea of wanting pleasure really, really has come, I think, more than any time in history, probably. Probably not, honestly. Nothing new under the sun. But, but it just seems very prevalent in our culture today. Do what you want to do. If it makes you happy, you do it. And here's the thing. Like, I remember hearing something like that when I was younger, but now it's like taking a step further. It's like, it was like, do what you want to do that makes you happy as long as it doesn't bother anybody else. Now it's like, forget it. It doesn't matter if it hurts anybody else. You do what you want to do. And the desire for that, the, the focus on that has really caused a lot of people problems. And let me give you an idea of how that works in churches. We see the desire for pleasure. And, and really when I think about that, I think about this idea of, of what I want. What I want, what I need is more important than anybody else. And we see that a lot. We see the desire for that to be fulfilled in us more than anything else. And so in all of these things, uh, it's important that we get this. It's in your notes. The lure for more leaves us immature. Whether it's more stuff, more riches, more pleasure, whatever it might be. What you're going to focus in on is really what's going to make the difference. And here's what I've learned about whether it be worry, riches, pleasure, or anything kind of falls under that umbrella. They are robbers. You know, you know what a weed does? I mean, I, I hate weeds, but I know a little bit about them. I mean, a weed next to a plant will steal the nutrients, the water from the plant. In, in the same way, this, the worry, desire for riches, all these things, they rob you of the things that you need to put your time into to help you grow spiritually. And it will choke you out. And before you know it, the plant will be dead, but the weed, man, the weed will just keep growing. The final thing, the one that obviously we all want to have 
is the good soil. Luke 8, 8, and then Luke 15. It says, still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more that was sown. And in verse 15, but the seed on good soil, listen, stands for those with a noble and good heart. That word noble in the Greek, basically it gives us this idea of pure and honest. Okay? Like a pure, honest heart. A good heart will hear the word, check it here, hear the word, retain it, and persevere producing a crop. I love how Jesus basically gives us this idea of of 100 times more. Now think about that for a second, okay? This man that's sowing seed is not doing this. I have my seed. There it is. One. Two. That's not what he's doing. He's doing this. Let's guesstimate. 300 seeds maybe in one hand, depending on the size of his hand. 200 seed. Who knows? As that seed is being thrown out. So not one that equals 100 to 200. And I'm not going to even try to do math. But 300. And all that 300 gets 100. And then another 300. And another that 300 gets 100. You're going to start growing really, really, really quickly. The seed isn't the problem. The heart is. If your heart is what Jesus has called it to be, your will see fruit in your life. And Jesus doesn't just say a little bit. He doesn't say one by one. He doesn't use addition. He uses multiplication. But not only does our heart need to be good, not only does our heart need to be pure, but he also gives us some ideas of how to cultivate our hearts to make them as good as they need to be. So as we kind of bring this to a close, let's look at some application. How do we cultivate the soil of our hearts? Well, Jesus here tells us very clearly. Number one, we need to hear intently. We need to hear God's word intently. We kind of talked about this earlier on in the series, but we need to study God's word. We need to be in his word. We need to to look deeply in his word. Not just just hear it and then just kind of in one ear and out the other. Not even as we looked at earlier in the story where, where there's a bunch of joy, but then it goes away. But we take that joy, we take that excitement, and then we allow it to to nourish our hearts and help our hearts. So we have to look at it intently in how we study God's word every single day. So Jesus says that's the first thing. Next, we have to retain genuinely. Retain. Okay? I think there's a couple ways that we retain God's word very effectively. One is probably more easy to see, and the other one is harder to actually do. The first one is memorize, okay? Memorize God's word, okay? Because here's the deal. You're not always going to have time to have your Bible with you or have your phone out ready to get to where you need to be. Sometimes when the enemy comes and he wants to be that bird that begins to take those seeds away, you need to be able to do what Jesus did. And Jesus wasn't walking around with a Torah under his arm. 
Jesus knew what God's word was and used God's word to defeat and stand against the enemy. So he used that. That's the first thing. That's one way, obviously, that we can retain. The other way we retain is by doing. By doing. We retain God's word by doing God's word. We're not just people that hear God's word, as we talked about last week. We're doers of God's word. How do we do that? We do God's word over and over again in our lives. And the more that we act the way that Jesus wants us to act, the more that we communicate things to people the way God wants us to communicate, guess what? That becomes genuine who we are in our hearts and our lives. You want to be a someone who retains God's word? Live out God's word in your life. Next, the last one, or, you know, yeah, the last one, then we got one other thing. Persevere unconditionally. Okay, some of us are really good at persevering when everything's easy, which if I understand the concept and the definition of persevering, you're not persevering really at that point. Sometimes we have to persevere no matter the situation, when things get hard and things get tough. And here's what we have. We have, that, we have God's word that we can go back to and allow it to help us. Allow it to, to continue to, to, to bring us to a place in our hearts and our lives where we go, you know what? Yes, I'm going through a hard moment right now. Yes, things are not going the way I, they always will or should. But I know what God's word says. And in the end, we win. In the end, he will work all things out for good for those that love him and are called according to his purposes. All things. Not some things, all things. So we hear intently, we retain genuinely, and we persevere unconditionally. And if we can do those three things, it leads to us producing exponentially. That's that concept of multiplication, not just simply addition. And it's awesome when God does that. It's awesome that when God begins to do those things in our hearts because he's planted his good word in us. What scriptures say, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. That soil was good. That soil was ready and that word was heard and retained and there was a perseverance to hold on to it and then fruit began to come because of it. Remember, God's word will bring forth fruit. It will accomplish what God has set out for it to accomplish. And when that happens, the fruit that will be produced will be massive. When I first went to Albuquerque, I, I lived in a house that was, um, was, was owned by a family. And uh, the father worked at the labs. I don't know if you, if you know Albuquerque, a lot of individuals work for the Sandia Labs. And this, this, this man did. And uh, I hadn't been there maybe a couple of months. And he was being transferred to Washington, D.C. And he was going to stay there for, I think, two years and, and, and they thought, you know, and then, and then come back. It was the whole plan, you know. So it wasn't like move and stay. It was move and then come back. And so the family had decided they didn't want to sell their house. They wanted to be able to come back in two years and live in their house. But they didn't want the house to be vacant for two years. And so, you know, I, I, why they thought this was a good idea, I don't know. But 
they thought, hey, how about we have this 22-year-old kid live in our house for two years? Now, I, I, knew, I, I knew less then about home ownership than I do now, which is absolutely petrifying. But I will let you know, the house did not burn down that I know of. Okay, yeah, it survives, okay? But I remember being very excited. I was like, wow, look at me. I've, I have arrived, you know, all these sort of things. And so I lived in the house for a couple of years in the backyard. And they asked me, you know, take care of the yard, do all the stuff, you know. Basic, basically, I, I told them, so you want me to pretend to be a homeowner? And they said, yes. I said, okay. In the backyard, they had a peach tree. Now, I don't know if you know this, but um, one of my favorite fruits is peaches. Love peaches. But, like, I'm really picky on peaches, you know what I mean? Like, I'm a, I'm a peach connoisseur. And we had a peach tree, and, man, I was excited. And I went to them, and I said, does that peach tree, you know, produce peaches? And they're like, well, you know, it hasn't really for a couple years, you know, all this sort of stuff. And they said, listen, if you want it to produce peaches, you're going to have to do these things. And they're like, you're going to have to spray for this and this bug or blah, 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 blah. I don't even remember what it was. Okay? And I was so excited about the peaches, man. I went to Home Depot or Lowe's or wherever I went. Uh, maybe, maybe, I don't remember where it went. It doesn't matter. And I'm like, hey, I got this peach tree. And they were like, here you go. Here's all this stuff. And man, that first year, I was out there spraying. I was out there watering. I was like, I'm going to get me some peaches. I'm dreaming of peaches. Millions of peaches. Peaches for me. Millions of peaches. Peaches for free. If you don't know that, um, I just aged myself. Okay. I was so excited. And so about June started seeing, you know, it started coming in. And I remember like August, it was time to harvest. And I went out there and I started picking peaches. And, um, and I, I, I kept picking peaches. And I kept picking peaches. And I remember I literally was like, I do not know what to do with all these peaches. I mean, I'm, I'm giving peaches away. I'm taking peaches and I'm, I mean, I'm, I literally brought like a couple friends over. I'm like, if you help me with this, I will give you as many peaches as you want. And we're like cutting up peaches, putting a little sugar in them, you know, and then freezing them, you know, so then I can put peaches on you know, all year. You know, I mean, my freezer is full of peaches. I don't know how many silly peaches I had, but I had so many peaches. And I just remember looking at times at that little tree. It wasn't a big tree. And I remember going, God, wow. God, one tree. One tree. Look at all the fruit it produced. Look at all the fruit that it was able to. Not, it wasn't a big tree. It wasn't this massive thing. It was literally, I mean, it was taller than me, but not much more. And I had so many peaches, I was giving them away to people. God so desperately wants you to produce fruit. And he doesn't call us to produce a peach a season. He calls us to produce much fruit. You know how I see that? I just always remember that tree. God wants us to produce so much fruit in our lives that we're literally giving it away to anybody that walks in our path. Like, I don't, God doesn't, God doesn't want us to just give it away to our friends. You get what I mean? 
Like, I was giving all these speeches away to the people of the church and by friends. I mean, he literally wants our fruit to go to complete strangers. You're going to be sitting, some of you, at a restaurant this afternoon. He wants your fruit to go to that waiter or waitress. You're going to go to Target or Walmart or the grocery store, wherever you're at. He wants some of that fruit to go away and be given away to the person that's there checking you out or, or knowing all the self-checkout, the person that's there making sure you're not stealing something or, or trying to walk out with a 10-cent bag. He wants you to give fruit to them. But if your heart hasn't been prepared, now I'm going to continue on. The next year, <laughs> I was kind of peached out. So I didn't spray the tree. I didn't make sure the tree was watered as much. Guess how many peaches I got? Four. I literally went from so many peaches, I had peaches come out of my ears, to four. Tree was the same. What was the difference? The soil hadn't been made ready. Sun came. Rain even came. Four. There was growth. Tree got bigger. But there was no fruit. Here's the thing. God has not just called you to produce much fruit. He has given you everything you need to produce that fruit. But here's what I've learned. Whatever I put on that tree didn't help the tree a lick if it stayed in my shed. For some of us, we have everything we need to produce fruit. But we leave it in the shed. And then we go, God's word must not be true. It must not be right. Why am I not producing fruit? Sometimes we all need to take, all of us, me included, we all have to take a step back and realize that if we're not producing fruit and much fruit, it's not the seed, it's the soil in our hearts. Can you do me a favor? Let's bow our heads and we're going to just pray. And, 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 and we're not going to spend a lot of time this morning because it's a real simple question that I think God is, has asked me to ask you. It's real simple. And this is for all of us. It doesn't matter, well, I, I accepted Jesus last week or, or I accepted Jesus 50, 60 years ago. I, I really feel like God laid this on my heart to ask you. Because I know that when we hear something like this, and some of us have heard this story 488 times. And so it's a simple question. Will you allow the Holy Spirit to check the condition of your soil? Will you allow him to do that? Because here's the deal. You can say, no, I'm good, I'm fine, I don't... Or will you say, you know what, Holy Spirit? I, 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 got some, I got some path heart 
some hardness and the seed of your word isn't penetrating and I, I need you to help me in that. I need you to cultivate some soil in my heart. For some of us, it's, it's that idea that it's some rocky soil. And there's a little bit of that growth, but just it just never continues. There's no root system that's growing. For some of us, it's the thorns. We're allowing life and worries of life and the pleasures of life and the stuff of life to choke out what really God wants us to do. And here's the deal. I've never met anyone, I don't care who they are, that their soil is so good that God can't make it a little bit better. So even if you say, you know what, Aaron, honestly, I feel like I feel like my soil is okay. I think it's doing good. Well, that's awesome, and I'm so glad. But I would say to you and to anyone, I, God can do a little bit more. Let's, let's, not, let's not be satisfied with whatever fruit we're producing. Let's allow him to do a little bit more. So no matter where your heart is this morning, I know that God's Holy Spirit can get our soil to be better, to be more fertile, so that when God's word comes, we can grow. We can grow in the fruit that we produce and grow in the maturity that he's called us to grow into. And that maturity really just looks like this. We become less and Jesus becomes more. So will you, will you ask the Holy Spirit that question this morning? Will you allow him to check on your soil conditions? And no matter where they're at, will you allow him to help? Maybe some weeding needs to be done. Maybe some rocks need to be pulled out. Maybe, maybe some... some some soil needs to be broken up. Maybe the soil that is good just, just needs a little more fertilizer or something like that. I don't know. But no matter what, will you just allow the Holy Spirit to do that in your heart, in your life this morning? Because God has called you, he's called every one of us to produce fruit. And he's equipped us and he's given us everything we need Sometimes we just got to get it out of the shed and get it on the ground of our hearts to allow that to happen. But he'll help us. He'll show us because he loves us so much. So no matter where your heart is, no matter where it is this morning, God can make it good soil again. He's that big. He's that strong. He can take any heart and make it new if you'll let him. So Father, we come to you this morning and for me and for everyone here, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would just check the condition of our hearts. Because here's the thing, I don't know about others, but I know my heart can go from hard to soft to hard real quick sometimes. And God, I want want a good soil in my heart. I want, I want so much soil. I want so much good soil that not only am I producing fruit for me, quote unquote, but God, I got so much fruit, I'm giving it away.
Not just that I'm giving it to, to people here, that my family here at our church, but Father, and my family at home, but God, I'm giving it away to my neighbors. I'm giving it away to a stranger. And I'm just saying, here, have a peach, have an apple, have a banana. Just take it, take it, take it. Feast on the fruit of the Lord. Because one thing I've seen over and over and over again, it says in your word to taste and see that the Lord is good. And when my life begins to produce fruit for others and they begin to taste the fruit of the Lord and they begin to taste that, they begin to see that, Lord, you are good. And you use that to draw people to yourself. Father, help me, help us get our soil ready. If there's some weeding, do some weeding. If there's some some rocks that need to be thrown out, get them there. If there's some breaking up of some areas of hardness and bitterness and anger, break those places up. Make our soil ready so that we can receive your word. We can retain your word. We can allow your word to change us and help us to persevere no matter what the season is so that we in turn can produce much fruit for you. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Now, listen, there's a lot going on this week. There's prayer. There's a ladies' book study. There's, there's community groups. Make sure you're aware of that. Also remember there's the sign-up sheet for the workday. Please help us with that. Sign up for that so we kind of know what to plan for. That would be awesome. But listen, this week, have a great week. Allow God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, just to continue to cultivate those areas in your heart and your life. And when that happens, you will see some amazing fruit that takes place. All right? Awesome. Have a great week. For those that are online, we love you. We miss you. We hope that you're doing well. Hope that you have a great week as well. For the rest of us as well, have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.